Greetings, Lucasarians. I'm back with another podcast. Um, in prior podcasts, I think probably my more liked podcast was um, Equity versus Equality. Um, I stated in that we should demand or want more equity, but I said, in a sense, we should ask for it. Now, the problem with um, certain things in society and government is when you have the government give you something, they don't necessarily give you what you would ask. Um, In this sense, an equity versus equality, they are giving us an equity that when you break it down and you look over the span of generations, how it would play out, it's not what you want. So we're going to like discuss this, but I'm going to really be talking about equity in the judicial system in this one. So equity before law means that each citizen will be treated fairly by the criminal justice and judicial system, regardless of their status. And that's the state. uh, That's when the state recognizes the individual has an intrinsic value, which serves as a limit to state power and which the, the 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 politity must respect. So that's basically saying this, Um, you know, if you were to get like a traffic ticket or something like that and uh, driving on a suspended license, no proof of insurance, you know, that's a hefty ticket. So say they, you know, they basically, you know, put a bond on you for like $5,000, which they do say they did that for everybody, DUI or something like that, $5,000 bond. You know, the $5,000 would crush most Americans to have to shell that out of their pocket for freedom. So especially if you're in a low income portion of America or you're in a minority pocket of America, it would be crushing to come out of your pocket that much. Because once you come out your pocket that much, your home could be impacted. What you drive to get to work that also helps you pay your bills could be impacted. It could start a crescendo effect that would literally lead you into poverty and possibly homelessness. So when you're talking about equity in a sense where they're trying to apply it to to that, that is the equity that we want. We want you to be considerate of like, okay, everybody can't pay at that $5,000 bill, you know, so why don't you just make it equivalent to their means? You know, like, okay, hey, you know, we're going to charge you $300. So you learned the lesson. But, you know, if you do it again, we'll hit you with this. That kind of keeps people in the straight and narrow. And it might even stop recidivism if you have that person that tends to make that mistake a lot. And we're like, okay, I can't afford this. I don't want to be in dire straits. So let me abide by the law and be compliant to the law. But... Here is where we start to get into crazy. We have states now like Illinois starting to do the SAFE Act, and which is pretty much a a farce of an acronym when you think about it. But it's basically boiling down to what most states are considering now and starting considering because we had COVID and we had court systems backed up. And you can't put everybody in jail because the court system is backed up. Everybody doesn't have the means to pay the fine. So it's like, okay, this guy got a $3,000 fine. We can put him in jail, but the jail is packed. So what do we do? So some 
genius, I don't know if it's Democrat or Republican, decided like, okay, why don't we just get them to pay a bill and let them free? Now, while you're saying, oh, that's good, this could go all the way to capital two offenses like murder. Some states are actually considering like, okay, you just X'd out a person in this planet and humanity in the United States. And you know what? Your court system's kind of backed up, so we can't just hold you in that jail till you get a hearing or, you know, hold you. So what we're going to do is we're going to lease you on a cash bond and we're going to let you back into society. You know, then you got angry family members who might try to come after this person, shootouts in the streets type things where we're seeing a lot of shootings and stuff where people are shooting at each other and they're missing and it's killing individuals in their home asleep or individuals in their home just cooking dinner or doing some kids and stuff whatnot are just stray bullets um, as they jokingly said in the neighborhood where I grew up a bullet don't have no name you know just kind of to remind people if you out there and you're gonna shoot remember that bullet could travel past who you're trying to hit and are either through and continue going you know it don't have a name on it. It's not necessarily just for that person that you're shooting at. So, you know, that kind of thing um, happens in a lot. And what we have now is we're basically turning um, America, what we're doing in these pockets. Like these are areas with high crime where they're thinking about this because one, the court system can't deal with the backlog and the current cases that it has. And crime is ramping up. So it's like, okay, what do we do? Well, we can balance out our like uh, system if we like have enough money where we could get more public defenders or get more of this and that. So they like, well, the cash bail bond thing works for us. But you also got to think just like PPP loans and, um, you know, like uh, charitable organizations have been caught, you know, like getting like high amounts of money and then siphoning stuff off the top. And then people like having like these uh, higher salaries that they get and are people, you know, benefiting off of it. And then the, the people and the citizens don't, you have those problems occur. So, you know, it, it's ripe for corruption because it's money and it's after a time where everybody was hurting. So, you know, white collar and blue collar type crimes will occur when there's just slush funds of money around. But what this will do over time, let's just take a city. Let's Atlanta, for instance, we have crime and shootings going up and say, we're not going to hold these people in jail. The jails are already filled. We're just going to let them go on a bond. All right. So you got these two rivals that's been shooting out at each other, you know, um, one shot somebody, the other shot at somebody, didn't miss one, but he got put in there for like discharging a weapon. The other one got put in there for like attempted murder. Okay, we got to wait for it to come to court. So we're going to let them both out on the streets. All right, they're rivals. So they're going to meet in the streets eventually again before the court date. And what happens when they do? If a killing happens and that person don't get to court, okay, well, you know. Are you know, they're considering like, OK, if this person shot this person, they're no longer a threat because 
that was the person that they were after. So like if you're putting him at home on house arrest, he's fine. But you're putting him back out on the street where a rival knows where he lives, knows where his family is at. There's ways they can make him come out of the house. And arguably his own people could try to get him out of the house. You know, I've seen people slip monitoring devices. So it, it's doable where he could get outside of the home and stuff like that and still continue his activity. So what happens with all the people in the balance that might be hurt, the innocents? Uh, this is what a cash bell system would uh, leave as a slippery slope, you know. Um, you know, it's it's a different ball game when you're looking at equality. Well, excuse me, equity from this standpoint, equity from this standpoint doesn't benefit. Like if it was a misdemeanor, sure, you don't need to go to court for a misdemeanor. Just pay the fine. Cool. Go online, pay the fine from the moment you get the ticket and be straight. Cool. That works. I'm game for that. But if it's something like an offense like kidnapping, murder, rape, uh, you know, child and like, like something that where you could hurt a child or endanger a child, like, yeah, I, I believe you should sit in jail till we get you into court for that. You know, that keeps you from hurting the people around you and the people that are innocent and that keeps you um, contained since we already see that uh, you are a danger to the average person walking around. So, you know, I think now we're trying to like really sit back and be like, okay, you know, defund the police is a good idea. Yes. In certain matters and matters like, okay, you shouldn't be just following behind the car and, you know, stereotyping and getting these, your stats and stuff up from like citations off of stuff like that. You shouldn't be demonizing a, a minority community, but when you're in the other community, you're not doing anything. You're not even like you're letting stuff walk by or you're giving them a slap on the wrist for the same thing. You're putting people in handcuffs. Up. That is what we're trying to reform. Um, the racist practice, the stereotypical practices, the gentrifying type practices where you're going to like, you know, uptown, you're going to be one way downtown. You're going to be another, you know, we're trying to correct that, but um, that's the equity that the people would ask for. Now, when you put it on the government, you know, the government's going to sit there or the States. They're going to be like, our departments are fine. We just need, well, how about you give us a little bit of money and we'll do some sensitivity training, some equity training, some, you know, inclusion training and stuff like that. But when you look at certain police departments, I hate to like keep picking on Atlanta, Atlanta. And you look at the police departments, if you have a racial problem, OK, yeah, it might be present. But the police department as a whole, if you did a, a poll or census of it, predominantly black. So is it a racial problem if they're doing stuff in their like the same ethnic neighborhoods? So like you know, when the when the, they say they want to ask for money to give somebody inclusion or uh you know sensitivity training and you're telling this person as black of color to be sensitive to black people. 
uh, like how they like their upbringing, their uh, socioeconomic status and stuff like that, their communities. Uh, that's basically just telling you, like, we just stole money from you, the citizens and your taxes. And, you know, it's it's a training we'll probably give our new hires. But that guy that's been here 15 years, he only got five more ago. He cool. We ain't gonna worry about training him this. And that's the guy that's probably out there that's complacent in his job doing the worst shit. I hate to use it like terms like that, but like that that's probably it. You know, that guy is like, okay, man, you know, give him a rough ride once we cuff him, you know, or, you know, put him on the hot hood of a car, you know, these type of practices or stuff like that, you know, or it could be like when, if it could be that, you know, cop that's in a minority area that's not of that minority. But that guy could be high ranking. He could be the sergeant. He could be that new hire that came straight from military, straight to the police force. And in his mind, when he gets in a panic scenario, he thinks rules of engagement and not uh, use of force. Uh, Rules of engagement and use of force, two completely different things. You will comply to rules of engagement. Use of force, you will use that force deemed only necessary within the circumstances to compel compliance and no excessive force may be used. Clear difference in definitions. Um, you know, like uh, if you captured like a combatant and you didn't have anything on them in the rules of engagement or you could hold them 48 hours without cause. Basically, I can just hold you two days and be like, okay, we didn't find anything on you. Get out of here. You know, you know, but like in, in the police world, you can't just detain somebody just without any probable cause or reasonable suspicion. But when we're pushing them to like give give us a solution, you know, like they're going to give you what they think the solution could be. And that just puts these people who will never go into the community, who will never like look at certain things in the community and you know it says that let's be for real if you look at crime crime is like this white people commit crimes against white people in white communities black people commit crimes against black people in black communities hispanic crime against hispanic people in hispanic communities the police drift through all three type communities sometimes the criminals drift through other communities and get into skirmishes and crimes and stuff too or try to carry crimes into other territories, which brings them into these areas. So what we have is a problem where we're not focusing on combating the issue in the community. So what we got to do is we got to go to the village standpoint until we can blend the village or it's one community. And we're not looking at crime as oh this white community, this black community work because the community is so mixed. You have everybody in one community until we have that, you know, we can't really impose equity in law enforcement like that. We can't really say equity will work because yeah, if you're in that community, what you need to do for equity is like, okay, let's start when they're like pre-K instead of teaching them alphabet and stuff like that and colors and sounds when they're really young, let's start, you know, creeping in and raising our literacy level just a bit. So the point when that two-year-old gets to be four, 
all those words and stuff that the two-year-old, that four-year-old needed to know to be able to go to kindergarten and preschool, I mean, fifth uh, kindergarten and stuff like that. Let's get that to be the standard at four, four to five. Then you could raise it up at six where you could raise the literacy standard a little more. And if you do that with this pocket of students, let's say you take this generation, we'll call it uh, generation Q. You take generation Q and you run them through this. By the time generation Q gets to college, I'm at high school, at least they're at college level. They're at college level literacy. Now, what happens when you do that? If you have all the students executing at college literacy, nine times out of 10, more of them will go to college. So what happens when there's less people, you know, on the block and more people at a junior college or college? Crime's going to kind of go down. So by literacy level alone, you can get equity and equality in a community. But they're not looking at that. They're looking at, okay, you know, they're just looking at, oh, they're just poor. How can we stop um, the cycle and recidivism of these poor people? Well, let's not impose, let's not just hold them in jail. You know, you go in jail and like, okay, they're thinking on that. They're thinking on getting their numbers down and getting their court calls down and all that stuff. There's a bunch of other things they're looking at. But when it comes down to it, the equity is not the equity that a regular citizen would ask for that. The regular citizen would ask for this. I would like to have a clean street in my community. I would like to be able to go to bed and not worry about somebody kicking my door in. I would like for my children to be able to walk down the street and not get harassed by drug dealers or gangs and to be able to walk down the street without fear of getting shot by a straight bullet are kidnapped are you know raped these type of things that's what every citizen in these pockets of communities wants you know but they're not hearing you because think about it we elect people in four-year cycles two-year cycles in, in states and stuff like that or however long their cycle is in certain pockets um we elect these people and, you know, say you elect somebody and crime gets worse and, you know, they're saying they're doing all they can do, but they promised that they would lower crime. And then four years comes up and you know what? He's like, hey, next year we're, we're going to get it right. We're on the right path. Just put me back in there and I guarantee you I'll get it done. All right. Are you going to put him back in for four more years when he couldn't do it the first time? Like if he's coming with the same people, you know, there's going to be the same people trying to tackle the same problem that they couldn't tackle for in four years. You know, we don't look at that. We just look at the buzz and the hype and stuff like that. You want to hear the debate, but you don't want to like hear the debate and write down what they're saying. Okay. You say he's going to do this. All right. If we get him in there, let's see, you know, um, I will, I will say this, people might talk about Biden, but if you, if you boil back some of the stuff that Biden, well, like I will, I'll go back even further. If you look at Obama, some of the stuff that Obama said he was going to do, he did almost all of it except close Gitmo. Now that's another subject. 
Gitmo is a little bit too hot to close because listen, if you close Gitmo, what are you going to do? You got to send the people back to their countries. Okay. So if you have the number two and number three top terrorists at Gitmo, and it's like, okay, we're going to shut this down. What are we going to do? Send them back to their country. Send them to their people to be lost in, locked in jail. When you send that person back to his country, if he has like money and like backing, his people will get him out or he can bribe his way out. And then that number two, if the number one is gone, is number one. And he's going to be a problem because we took some of his freedom away so he's gonna want to pay it back in blood that's why Gitmo was kind of too hot to be closed he kind of made a promise that was a little bit too much for him to chew because Gitmo's been there for like three other presidents and they couldn't even touch that case in point Biden don't even bring it up Trump didn't even bring it up Trump was pro closing it too but he didn't even bring it up it was something where he was like looking, they probably looked at it like, yo, we can't do it, boss. You know, so like <laughs> equity in all things isn't always going to be possible. But in matters where we can go as a citizen, we're like, yo, our streets are fucking rampant with crime. You have cars coming through, but they don't do shit. We see them sitting parked, chilling, napping, you know. Or we see them on the other side of town and they don't dare come close unless we have a call in this area. And then when they come there, they come like they're ready to like lock up everybody, you know, instead of like doing their job, investigating, asking questions and stuff like that. You have those issues or you have the issues that when they come in there, they're trigger happy or when they come in there. They're scared, so they're just going to like try to throw around authority, and you're just trying to tell him, like, yo, my house just got broken into. I'm not the criminal. But you think when you come into that area, everybody's a criminal because you're fearful. You believe the stereotypes of the area. So, of course, you're going to come in there and be like, okay, I just want to get the hell out of this area as fast as I possibly can. So let me, you know, see what I can do quickly and get the hell up out of here. You know, we have those problems. So when we're asking for equity more, we got to start like really, like really putting our brains together. But we got to have people in the room with these people making these decisions about what equity is to be from those communities. Not just to be just a panel, normally a panel of white people, upper law enforcement, judges, and lawyers and stuff sitting in a room and they're making out these policies that's going to get signed by a mayor or governor or, you know, politician get ran up to a politician or something like that. We got to like have our people in the room or else we're not going to get what our people want. We're going to get what they surmise that we need. And it's not our needs Aren't, our wants aren't necessarily their needs and their needs aren't necessarily our wants. So we got to ask that because what we're going to have these cash bill systems, eventually a town's going to get so bad with crime that they're just going to have to give up doing some services in certain areas. Like, hey, just don't go to this area. We, we're not going to dispatch our people to the area. Well, now, what does that sound like? That sounds like they're just going to like turn an area into like a purge type area. 
Like, listen, you, know, you go, listen, you go to, um, you know, you go to um, Old National, you're on your own. <laughs> you know, listen, you go to, uh, you go to Five Points, you're on your own. Like, you know, like the murder Kroger and stuff like that will be back. You know, like you go to these certain areas, yeah, we don't we ain't gonna send our people there to be threatened or run risks because, you know, that area is just highly populated with all our people that's in and out with cash bills. Now you gotta think about this too. Certain cash bills, if you're gonna do a cash bill with somebody with murder, it needs to be it's like like about like it needs to be the cost of what our life would be. You can't say like, okay, we're going to let this person out till they go to court, put them on house arrest on a cash bond of, you know, $10,000. No, $100,000 is not even enough. Let's just say we'll just do it on like half a million dollars, you know, for something like that. Um, Even though I don't think any bond should be given to somebody that committed murder. I think you should sit in a small room and not see daylight until it's time for you to go to trial and they have to shave and cut all the hair off you. Uh, you know, like uh, kidnapping, rape, all these things. You shouldn't sit waiting the trial. You should just, you know, you should. You, I mean, sorry. You should sit in a way to trial. You should not be out on the streets looking for more victims. You know, it it should not be uh, drug issues. Okay, if it's somebody using drugs, you know cash bond with the contingency that you immediately go into a treatment program. You know, that's what you're doing while you're waiting to go to trial. You're in a treatment program. That should be the thing. You know, like it should not be you go out and you just go right back to using because you're out, you know, because people can bring like, even if you're on a house arrest or having to piss in the cup, there's ways around it. We we all know people that like on probation that gets around that stuff are pissed dirty when they're on probation what it is just going to do okay put them in jail oh we can't put them in jail the jails are over full well put them back at home put them on house arrest you know if we're gonna like if we're gonna deal with this problem with like backlog and overcrowding we got to find a more creative solution to do it one i say if it's something like marijuana or you know drug sales from marijuana Forget that, you know, like pay a fine, right? If it's something harder, you know, like methamphetamines, uh, you know, something like these designer drugs that like intended to appeal to younger people, yeah, lock them people up, let them stay in there, let them sit in there for a while because you don't want that on the street. And if you got the cook and chemist in, in jail, you ain't got to worry about it being on the street, you know? So it's these type of things that we need to look at. We need to get creative about how we're looking at it as a society. And it shouldn't just be law enforcement looking at these things. Uh, if you go to church, you got community leaders in your church, pastors and stuff that needs to be proactive talking about the streets down the road from their church. You know, anything within that vicinity that is in your flock, those people are the people you serve. You're just as much, uh, a steward of that community as the, you know, council and mayor of that city. You know, you have a voice that can change things. They have the means. Put y'all all in the room. You should be able to make something happen. Should be able to make something happen. But what we find is a lot of times they don't even invite those people in the room. They don't even think to invite those people in the room. 
they don't even ask the community stuff. You know, like the only time you'll get asked something in a poll or something in like a vote is when you go into a ballot box. And by then it's already too late. So we need to get something in a measure like I believe every community should have be able to have monthly town halls with their 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 powers, their 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 council and their mayors and their and the governors, you know, should have some biannually, you know. Or you can sit in there and you could like each pocket can bring their issues and stuff like that. It shouldn't be like letters to your congressman or senator and stuff like that where they've got a million letters they got to go through. You'll get to your stuff eventually. And if they can fix it, they will. If they can't, they're just going to delegate it or pass it around and it's just going to get bogged into the weeds. You know, we should have some way that citizens can hold response to these things just as immediate as natural disaster or weather events because if a tornado comes through your neighborhood you know you got government assistance right there you got your state working right there they're actively working to get that like crisis to you know livable so you can continue your quality of life why shouldn't we do the same with crime Why shouldn't we do the same with poverty? These are all crises just happening and ongoing that need relief so people can have a quality of life. And that quality of life that, you know, that we you look at in like people before law is equity. But like I said, if you ask the government to give you their version of equity, or excuse me, equity, you will get their version of equity. You won't get the version that you need. You'll get the version that they feel covers it. You know, like, uh, you know, I think this will fix it. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, guys? Huh? Vote. I all in favor. OK. All right. It's adopted. That's what you get. Oh, that's what you, that's exactly how it would be when they do a vote. Do we have somebody second it? Huh? You over, over there? Okay. It's, it's second it? Okay. It's, it's proved. You know, it won't, it won't be like any debate or like something. We might have one or two people that'll try to go hard on it and try to sway it their way. But like, if that's just one vo- voice, that one person speaking for probably hundreds, it's not going to get done. Show up. Stand up, people. Come there in mass. Speak out. You know, like when you do that, okay, you know, you got all these voices and step to the mic. And then that person that's like going to speak for you stands up, speaks eloquently, gives the argument, you know, lines it up home. Then you got to sway. You could sway all the mother minds, you know, like, hey, man, you know, a good bit of people that showed up here. You know, I'm thinking I'm going to second her. Thinking I'm going to see you like what, what her program or what this thing could do. You know, that's what you'll get. But like when you get somebody and they're just alone. Good luck. It's just going to be like, oh, man, this person just loves to talk. You know what? You know what? I hope this thing just comes to a vote so I can just vote and uh, get her to shut up. You know, 
get them to shut up, he or her, you know, stuff like that happens, you know, but like we need to um, be more diligent as citizens to like know that like uh, those like kind of meetings and stuff aren't closed door to you Um, by previ of you being a citizen, you have access and entrance and you have uh, the availability to speak on the floor on anything they talk on. So, you know, when I say back in this, like backing this stand up series and speak up series, um, you know, those are some things that people need to come to the mic on, you know, you know, your next town hall or city meetings or, you know, state meetings, step up to the mic, man. You know, speak up. Church leaders come in force. You know, if a bunch of pastors show up, yo, our community is rampant with crime. We need something to protect our our flocked. You know, these are the streets in the neighborhoods that are effective. This is the ineffective policing that we've seen by these this organization. This is what we demand is better. How do you think that sounds instead of just one person stirring up? I stay on um, this street and it, it's bad. You know, like well, like who do you think gonna get heard first? You know, like if you come as a collective. And not just that one sole person, you're going to get hurt, you know, like uh, just protest, protest in general. You know, we can't continue like to think that uh, a protest in violence is going to solve the matter because a protest in violence is just going to turn into a civil conflict. A civil conflict will just turn into a civil war. You know, what do you want? Do you want do you want to minimize the amount of casualties or do you want to have the right effective like tools in the nature where we can debate, we can um, speak um, eloquently on both sides and weigh the pros and cons of both sides and walk away at a middle ground. Uh, it's, it has to be done or else we're just going to digress until it's just, okay, pfft, nobody's going to care. They're going to either brush it off, pass it off to the next person or more worse, just ignore it. Hope it goes away. And the people in the process are just considered considered collateral damage. So ask yourself, what kind of equity are you getting in your community? What kind of equity are you getting in your city, your state? What kind of equity are you getting from your country? And if it's not something that sounds like it's better, make it better because it's not you that's going to be affected. It's going to be that generation Q. Those kindergartners right now that's going to be like 18 years old, uh, that cash bond system is going to affect them because those are more criminals on the street that get let out from rapes, murders, kidnappings, assaults, aggravated assault, assault with a deadly weapon, robbery. It's going to be those people that will be out on cash bond around those people, those kids that's growing up. So, you know, are we going to pay recidivism? Because that's all it's going to breed a cash bond type thing. In cases of those kind of crimes, it's going to breed recidivism. If you let me out and I just killed somebody, you know what I think? They don't care. I'm going to kill again. 
I shot homeboy. One of his boys got a shot off and it killed my buddy. So I got to go get that dude. Oh, he's in a house. Spray that thing down. Who told me the house was that one? It wasn't that one. Oh, it was the wrong house. Well, all right. We out. <laughs> you don't have to catch me. I, you know, type things like that happen. You know, if you don't think type things like that happen in the streets, it even happens to the police with the no knock warrants that we have. We didn't see more police go to wrong addresses on bad information. Crooks work on the same kind of information, the information of the streets, i.e. the information of a snitch or a CI. You know, those things happen, you know, and that person, that CI is not always a reputable character. Could be somebody that just came off a high and they're giving you a recollection of what they thought went down. You know, that happens in law enforcement. So, you know, it happens in the street. You know, Craig and them said they was over there, man. Oh, let's load up and get them. And that's how it's accidental. Like, oh, somebody family got sprayed, giving a birthday party, uh, you know, or, you know, somebody got shot um, in mistaken identity. You know, we don't want to have a cash bond system in America. So in any state where you have that coming up on the dockets, vote it down unless they have it to an extent where it's a cash bond system for misdemeanors only. That's a perfect cash bond system. Misdemeanors only. Cool. Misdemeanors don't need to have somebody sitting in jail. You know, you, you like. Simple position, okay, you don't need to sit in jail for simple investment. That's the substance abuse issue. You know? Think about these things, folks. When we're talking about equity and equality, you know, think about what you want equity to look like. And then demand it. Like, to the point of what you want for equity in your community. Don't let them assume our give you what they think equity should be in your community. All right. Went a little longer than I wanted to do, but as always hit me at Legion Lucas, gmail.com uncle Lucas on Twitter and we'll keep it going.